And now for something completely different. Welcome to Shout Out. Out of the closet and into your ears. Hello, we're on again. Welcome to Shout Out with me, Matthew Tosh. And me, Lara Lanamy. This week, we delve into a project which tackles everyday racism. Yes, that's something very close to our hearts here. And Terry is going to bring us his monthly news focus. Yay! While Matthew has sharpened his stylus and dusted off some of his old records for us to play. That's the sales pitch done. Welcome aboard. actually know what a stylus no, is. No, I was literally about to ask you. I was like, I was, like, I was reading that. I was like, what is that? And dusted off his old record. I was like, wait, wait. I, my brain got stuck on stylus. What is a stylus? A stylus. It's the it's the needle on a on a record player. It's the thing that that, that, that sits in the grooves on, on a record. Anybody that's bought vinyl. That's true. It was before my time, darling. You're going to make me feel... No, okay. Before you introduce us to tea, I'm going to ask a question. Yeah. When you bought your first single... Mm. What format was it in? Obviously CD. It was a CD. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't yeah. completely digital. It no, was, no, 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 no. You had no. something. I still had the Walkman. I still had the. Like, you had something tangible I in still your had hands. Tapes. Yeah, I remember the yeah. tapes. I remember the tapes, but not quite the records though. Mm. Uh, but like, I do you know what's funny? It swings around about really because like I really I have one record and it's um uh what is it called? Ain't no no no. I'm every woman. Oh, yeah. And I just, I wanted it as like an actual hard record. I don't know why, because it feels now that you want to appreciate those That's the thing I'm more. asking about, because when you yeah. buy a digital, uh, I mean, the quality is fantastic, but yeah. you don't actually have anything in your hands yeah, or a booklet to look through. And like, it's not, and like, honestly, like when we go back, not that we're going to have an apocalypse, but like, it just, I feel like having like something of old I don't know, it keeps it in your From kind of bygone mind. days. Yeah, bygone days. And I, I, I don't doubt it's going to come back well, again. Well, speaking of yeah, relics and, and, and bygone... <laughs> Actually, no. Let's introduce <laughs> Terry Starr <laughs> wow. and Steffi Bond. Oh, Just gosh. wow. Ouch, ouch. <laughs> I mean, veterans. I mean... Um, your you eyes know. are still watering there, Terry. He's got a shovel in wow. his hand, don't worry. <laughs> How <laughs> Stylus, yes. Yes. I remember and I'm Every Woman, what a record to have as yeah. a record. Mm-hmm. The Shaka Khan version. Oh, of course, darling. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes, Shaka yes, Khan, yes, yes. Which I believe is Woman of Fire. Yes, it is. Oh, yeah, because it's right. Shaka Khan was actually involved in the Black Panther Party mm. at the end of the 1960s. A lot of people don't mm. realise that. Mm. And she adopted uh, an African name. Mm. I've got 500 so. seven-inch singles, vinyl. Wow. You were very into Northern Soul, weren't you, in the was, 70s? Yeah, yeah, I've got a lot of Motang yeah. um, from the 60s. Um, Have you got a special cabinet with all this? They're in my son's garage. Because oh. I've got no room where I am. Oh. All my LPs and 12-inch singles have gone to Barbados because my eldest son who lives out there has um, adopted all my albums. And mm. that, so. But Alb, I mean, that's quite a, they're quite heavy, aren't they? That's the yeah. thing when you get them oh, the vinyl. Oh, it's a lot of weight. Yeah, it's yeah, a lot yeah, of weight. Yeah. How do you wow. get over there? They just send it in, like, doing drips and drags? No, it goes in what they call barrels. Oh. So uh, they send it in bulk, so it's a lot cheaper. So, so it floats in, across. Well, I sent him, <laughs> I sent him some 12-inch singles um, for his birthday. 
And it cost me over a hundred quid for about half a dozen 12 inch singles. Mm, I mean, it's worth it though. That's a brilliant present. Mm. Great stuff. Well, uh, we shall be hearing more from uh, Terry and Steph during the show. We're going to be looking at uh, everyday racism, something that uh, we, we've talked about um, before, education as well, and also a delve into the news. That's all coming up here on Shout Out. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> Shout out. LGBT radio for you. The Shout Out Podcast. Solo, which is not what I'm doing this week. I've got uh, someone alongside me. That is uh, uh, Clean Bandit featuring Demi Lovato uh, here on Shout Out. You are listening to Shout Out with Matthew Tosh and Lara Lalami. Laura. Oh, yeah. Whoop, whoop, whoop. That, that song. <laughs> anyway, sorry. If you're a regular listener, then you'll know that we often speak about UK's, the UK's education system. Not least because it lacks a lot of representation of all cultures and sections of society. As we know, it is far from perfect, with colonial history still influencing what is taught. Racism creeps into every day topics, promoting some of us to speak out, which is not always easy. Steffi Barnett has been chatting to two people who are on a mission to change this and takes up the story. There's an awful lot of brave people out there. And I know certain sections of the community take big hits sometimes and some ongoing and for many, many years and are still fighting. And I'm joined by Natalie and Naomi, two very brave people who've absolutely put their heads above the parapet. You go into schools specifically talking about racism. Naomi, first, can you give me a bit of background to how you you started that? What spurred you? Absolutely. Well, I've been a teacher now for about 18 years. And really, um, it was me reflecting upon my own training and my journey as a as a black teacher and realizing that actually first of all I had had very little um, training in anti-racism and also generally in how to safeguard and look after marginalized groups within my own practice and it's something that you know, I personally take very seriously and um, being a black teacher, you know, I've got lived experience of of um, encountering racism. But I thought, well, actually, this is probably an issue for lots of other teachers. And so I decided to write a training course called the Anti-Racist School, which really gives um, head teachers, senior leaders and teaching staff and support staff that very basic introduction to what do we mean by racism in 2022? How does it show up in education day to day? And what can we do as teachers Firstly, to safeguard our black students and students of colour and also to help white students to understand the issues and how they can be good allies. Um, But also within that training, we look at, at other topics which obviously are important and come into that. So things like intersectionality and how do teachers understand the different identities of their students which is really crucial in understanding why this is important. 
So me and Naomi are actually sisters. So we um, are we're family, we're very close. And we actually started Everyday Racism around um, two and a half years ago. And it was something that we always wanted to kind of start um, for quite a while now. It was specifically after we read the book, Why I No Longer Talk to White People About Race by Rene Ido Lodge. And that really started to get us questioning about our own identity and our experiences of racism, which is something that we have experienced a lot, especially where we grew up um, in Kent, in a small town in Kent, which was a very much a white majority town. And so we experienced a lot of ignorance, a lot of racism, microaggressions. And so uh, the kind of the older we got, the more we started to, to discuss kind of our identity and what that means. And we really just felt that it would be really great to have a space where black and brown people and people of colour could come together and talk about um, our experiences of, of racism and how it shows up in the UK, because we kind of have this very sort of veneer um sort of uh, perspective of racism, I think, in the UK. And it's very much kind of swept under the carpet. And actually, it's very much rife here and it's and it's happening. And so we we thought of the idea everyday racism. And then at the end of 2019, I witnessed a racist incident on a train and I recorded it and I put it on social media um, to sort of educate my uh, friends and family around the fact that you know, racism very much happens here and it it went viral. And, and off the back of that, we decided to set up our Instagram platform called Everyday Racism, which is now, as sort of Naomi um, said earlier, has developed into sort of more resources. And now obviously we do a lot of training courses, including the anti-racist school. Do you think that that's going to expand um, people's education? Because I know, know um, when I was growing up, and I'm quite old now, so my education was very, very whitewashed. It was all about be proud of the British Empire. And some of the stories that, that I learned after, and we're only talking in the last 10 years of how brave black people have been in certain situations and how they stood up for themselves, how they played a huge part in history. Um, like the uh, the group of black women, they were the mathematicians behind NASA. None of that was told. Is that getting better in the education system or is it still white orientated? I think if we look overall, Steffi, we're still seeing a very whitewashed um, curriculum and a curriculum which is told through a white lens that does centre white people and white stories. I think there are pockets of change happening. There are people who have been working very hard and some people for years and years to try and push that change forward. But it's not across the board. And I think um, we're relying a lot on individuals to push that change forward rather than it coming as a collective or a directive. Um, And so for us, one of the things that we want to really do with this training course is, you know, frankly, our aim is for every teacher in the country to do our training course. That's what we've set our sights to, because then we feel like everybody is kind of given this baseline to work with. And I think we can progress from that. And I think until people have kind of had those same messages, 
um, we're not kind of all singing from the same hymn sheet. Um, and, and like I said, there are people that are absolutely working to, to make those changes. I've met some brilliant um, heads of department, curriculum leaders, school leaders who are driving that change forward, but it isn't happening consistently. And that means there are lots of students who are really, really missing out. And this isn't about, as some people you know, might like to say, erasing history or retelling it. It's firstly about really telling the truth. And it's also about telling the stories of people that have been absent. Those people that we're talking about were always there. We're not inventing them. Their stories have always existed. It's just they've been ignored or erased. And so for me, I'm very much about who's missing and where are those parallel stories that we need to be telling alongside the existing curriculum. Do you think that's um, a, a mismatch from the top, as in um, the MPs who are in charge of the education department? Do you think a lot uh, rides on their shoulders for not pushing this down a lot quicker? Yeah, I think we've actually made um, very slow progress in terms of decolonialising the curriculum and looking at the curriculum as deeply as we could. And I think we're doing our students a real disservice. And I think, um, obviously, there there have been some some you know footsteps towards change. There there are there is a committee at the moment relooking at the history curriculum, for example. But I really think this needs to be much broader, much deeper and seen as a real priority rather than something that we just leave up to individuals to pedal forward. Yeah, now you actually go into schools um, to, to help with this? Yeah, absolutely. So we run our training online. We also run our training live in person. So we go into schools and work with school teams and with teachers at the chalk phase. And I myself am still a teacher. I'm still in the classroom two days a week. Um, and even today, you know, I was doing some work with my students on intersectionality and allyship. So, yeah, we are we're doing it day to day, but we're also working with people um, in in practice as well. You must be quite exasperated, both of you, sometimes uh, the, the pushback from some segments of, of the white community. Do you ever feel like you're actually going forward? Yeah, I mean, it, it's exhausting and it can be really tiring and it can be um, it, it can be not very nice to to kind of hear the pushback and obviously the negativity that comes around talking about racism I think however we are slowly moving forward we can't deny that in 2020 we saw a huge shift of people really starting to understand what it means to be anti-racist and what it means to actually actively be anti-racist and not just say you know I'm not racist but but actually put putting it into practice and you know we we talk about this word allyship as well and how we can support other marginalized communities within that so for me there is a hope I see some incredible work from so many different people and, and charities out there that are trying to you know fight injustice and um, start to educate more but 
But I think for us, our real heart is looking at the younger generation. And, you know, we we both work with young people. Naomi said she's a teacher. I was a youth worker for 12 years and kind of talking to the younger generation. It does really give us hope because they really do get it and they really understand so much more than us adults. And that's partly why we want to do this course, because we're kind of saying like, adults teachers you're behind here like we need to catch up we need to catch up with with the young ones and so yeah I think that that really does give us hope but obviously we can't put it all on the on the young people us as adults we need to step up and we need to to learn and do so much more yeah um how do you handle kids that have got racist parents white racist parents how do you handle that because that must be difficult for a child growing up going to a school and then listening to you but getting a story since they've you know could talk and walk that was totally different to what they're hearing from yourselves how do you handle that when it comes to young people you have to meet them where they are because um you know it's really about helping them to develop empathy and a lot of the time when you're met with these attitudes and you ask them to maybe explain where they've heard these things or where this is coming from they actually do start to question it themselves and you can't just bang people over the head and change their minds it doesn't work like that you know you have to meet people where they're at I'm not saying you have to put up with discrimination or racism or homophobia or transphobia but there is a sense of um if people people don't know what they don't know so when you've got young people and they haven't heard these perspectives before and they haven't been exposed to these points of view you have to give them time to be able to learn and process um because i guess that's what we all want to do we want to develop empathy mm -hmm in each other and in ourselves and some people haven't had the opportunity to do that and i think this is why it's so important to be doing this work with young people to give them and with with teachers and adults as well people need the time and space to process these things there will always be people who dig their heels in. And to be honest, we've learned now that those people, there isn't much we can do about that. But there are people that do want to learn more and understand, but they need the time um, to, and space to be able to learn. Do you find with uh, young black youth of where they've had so many hits, say, from police searches, from going to school and having racist hits every single day of their life, that they can't see a way out, that they see that they'll be in that horrible place forever and that uh, how much, however much you try, they cannot see light at the end of the tunnel how do you change that perspective coming the other way i think really that is about kind of looking at kind of the the other side and that is looking at like things like black joy and amplifying kind of black voices as well you know i think when we even like now we're in black history month and a lot of time people will bring up 
black trauma and when we talk about black history we we talk about slavery and you know all the horrendous thing that happened a, a, around that time and obviously that's not to say that it didn't happen it should be erased but equally like we as our history we're not that isn't who we are you know we are human beings and we're people and actually there's so much joy and so much good in black history and and about black people so I think it's about kind of looking at the positives there but obviously that doesn't take away from the fact that we still live in a time where you know black people are 10 times more likely to be stopped by the police than the white counterparts and you know so many stats that I could reel off right now about that so yeah I can imagine you know it is very very frustrating and it can be really really painful and traumatic however again it's about kind of looking at all the things that we can change and that's something we're really passionate about specifically doing courses within schools these sort of elements where teachers can just teach and they could be racist and you don't know anything about that this is why anti-racism training is so important across the board, not even just within schools, but in all the different services and industries. Also, just to add that, I think working with um, black students and students of colour, one thing that I found is that they just want to have a voice. And a lot of the time that is 50% of the issue is that they don't feel like they're listened to or they're heard, and that can lead to a lot of kind of dissatisfaction and animosity. And I think, again, with this course, we're saying to teachers, are you listening to your students? Where are the spaces for your students to be able to talk about these things and to feel heard and to feel valued. And, you know, it goes back to the curriculum again. If you're not, if you're not seeing yourself, if you feel like you've been erased from the story or you're not even a part of it, then what is that going to do to you and how you feel about yourself? These things are all interlinked. And I think until we kind of join these dots up, there are going to be people that feel on the outside and that's why we need to make these changes. We've run right out of time. I'm afraid. <laughs> it's been so lovely talking to you and I wish you all the best going forward um, with the great work that you do. For me, I hope that um, the people above you and that's from the people who the education secretary start to do something about the education system um, and, you know, to give both of you a bit of a leg up in, in what you're doing. Good luck to you both going forward, Natalie and Naomi. Thank, Thank you. you. Shout out. LGBT radio for you. The Shout Out Podcast. Ah, oh, that gospel voice. Aretha Franklin there. I say a little prayer. A time now for news. So let's cross to Terry. This is Shoutout News on Thursday the 27th of October. 
The Peter Tatchell Foundation reports that the veteran LGBTQIA plus and human rights campaigner is safe and well in Sydney after mounting a small but dignified protest in Qatar as preparations for the World Cup football tournament head towards their conclusion. Qatar is a state where gay people can face persecution, arbitrary arrest, incarceration and even the death penalty. Mr Tatchell says that he and a colleague were held for nearly an hour by Qatari officials, something that the state denied. Nevertheless, few are giving much credence to the official version of events, with even the right-wing talk channel GB News giving unusually sympathetic coverage to Mr Tatchell's protest, and they spoke with Jane Ozan, the progressive Christian activist who described Tatchell as a seasoned and brave campaigner. Sacha Desmuth, speaking for the human rights group Amnesty International, told gay newswire Pink News that attempts to silence Peter Tatchell for, quote, drawing attention to Qatar's outrageous outrageous criminalisation of LGBT plus people is a stark reminder of the repressive climate around freedom of expression in that country. It's been a Greek tragedy in the last few days, like Shakespeare in cheap suits, isn't it? Or perhaps not so cheap in some cases. That's how Plaid Cymru's leader, Adam Price, the first openly gay leader of the party since its founding 97 years ago, described the fiasco at Westminster. Mr Price was speaking to the Western Mail newspaper from the Plaid Conference in Llandidno. Mr Price urged Welsh people to consider how to be rid of the Conservative Party, which has never had an electoral majority in Wales. The choice is either we get rid of them for a few years, but then we get them again at some point. Or, he said, we can get rid of them forever and we can have a Tory free Wales. We can have that forever. Mr Price recently led a march of Plaid Cymru and a broad alliance of progressive political and environmental groups in Cardiff, calling for Welsh independence within Europe. Comic Ben Elton has quickly shut down transphobic questioning on BBC Radio 4. Mr Elton was being interviewed on the BBC channel prior to the relaunch of Friday Night Live, a highly praised programme from Channel 4 Television's early period, which is now back with newer comics such as the trans heroine Jordan Gray. A BBC interviewer called Justin Webb appeared to suggest that trans people were somehow controlling society in a bizarre shoehorning of rhetoric into the interview. LGBT newswire Pink News notes that Mr Elton was quick to skewer Webb's preoccupation with trans people. Are you trying to say that woke millennials are cancelling grey-haired voices like yours, sir? I don't believe cancel culture is remotely real, Mr Elton said. Twitter user Rupert Hyam noted a brilliant response from Ben Elton to the suggestion that trans people are controlling the political and social agenda. Claiming that a minority group is actually in power is, of course, a common conceit amongst the far right and conspiracy theorists and over the ages has been used to justify oppression including the communist scares of the 50s to attacks on trade unions in the 70s through to the homophobic witch hunts of gay men during the 1980s. North Somerset LGBT Plus Forum have been instrumental in organising Western Supermare's inaugural Radical Book Fair, where all minority groups will be welcomed, together with left and progressive political organisations and, of course, book lovers. The date is Sunday the 30th of October, right on the cusp of Halloween, from 11am to 4pm. It will be held over two venues. 
One is the Sanctuary Cafe at 33 Orchard Street and the North Somerset LGBT Plus Forum building at 68 Meadow Street. Come and meet community groups in the southwest and find new and second-hand literature from zine makers, activists and authors from underrepresented groups. From our sports desk now, in the Division 1 of the gay-friendly GFSN League, we have these results from the past three weeks. Yorkshire Terriers 8, Birmingham Blaze 0, Trowbridge Tigers 0, Nottingham Lions 7 and Birmingham Blaze 2, Trowbridge Tigers 1. In entertainment's news, always a firm LGBTQIA plus fan favourite, Doctor Who aired on Sunday on BBC One in the UK and on BBC America in the States in a feature-length episode commissioned to mark the centenary of the BBC, which made its first preliminary radio broadcasts in November 1922. A high-octane story, the episode was the final to feature Jodie Whittaker as the Doctor. It was also pleasing to the loyal fans, many of them LGBT plus, who have sustained the show over its huge 60-year run. Enemies from the Daleks, Cybermen and the Master were on hand to menace the Earth, whilst past Doctors and Companions reprised their roles in delightful sequences. Even David Bradley returned to portray the first incarnation of the Doctor, originally played by the late William Hartnell. A new series of Doctor Who airs in the new year, and we've put a link to the website Doctor Who Podcast Alliance on our newsfeed, from which you can explore hundreds of Who-related podcasts all unofficial and all lovingly put together by fans and finally as the year turns on monday marks the festival of halloween known to neo-pagans as Samhain, and cheekily referred to by at least one gay magazine as gay christmas in the usa because people tend to dress up as fantasy figures and go to parties the festival is sacred to many cultures and is usually associated with the remembrance of the dead and reflection on our own place in the cycle of birth life death and rebirth. The newly redesigned website of the pagan bookstore Goddess and the Green Man in Glastonbury has an extensive guide to the folklore and meanings of Halloween and we've popped a link to it on our website. So whether you're enjoying spooky nights of parties New York style or are an LGBT plus pagan marking the ancestors or a gay Roman Catholic reflecting on All Souls Day and All Saints Day, we wish you a peaceful and pleasant All Hallows. Don't drink too much and look after yourself on these cold autumn evenings for these new stories and more we update our website every day check out our website at shoutoutradio.lgbt for shoutout news i've been terry Starr. shout out news national and international lgbt news for you Shout out. LGBT radio for you. The Shout Out Podcast. Shout out podcast. <laughs> when you're strange. I thought you were going to do something like that. I was going to be like, ooh. I was told to Halloween up the show. You were. You've Halloweened up. I had an email, you know. Really? So Someone demanded. It? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's what producers do. Oh, sorry, just say that. Right. Uh, listen, uh, it's time. <laughs> it's because you've got your arm behind your back. I'm going to move. I'm going to move on. Right. It's that time of the month where we look at a couple of stories from the recent news in detail. Mm. Yes, it's time to unleash the mighty Terry Star and 
his news mag. So, wow. one introduction. Terry, what's in the cooking pot this month? Well, to start with, and we hope that we'll have a light-hearted article as well, uh, something a little bit serious. Myself and Steffi were talking the other week, and we were reflecting how Graham Norton suffered Twitter abuse after he spoke at the Cheltenham Literature Festival when he said... I don't know about trans people. Don't ask a gay man in a suit like me. Why don't you talk to trans people? Now, um, unfortunately, Mr Norton uh, suffered barrages of hate mail after making this very, I think, quite moderate statement uh, and uh, suggesting that people should engage with trans people rather than dismissing them in something of a moral panic. And I think we've touched upon this before, haven't we, in the programme, mm. how currently what seems to be happening in certain newspapers, the Daily Telegraph and its attacks on mermaids in particular, reminds me very much of what was said about gay men during the AIDS crisis of the late 1980s. And I know the trans um, and civil rights activist Munro Bergdorf has spoken as well. She's very, very, very similar to what happened to gay men. So um, Pink News said that uh, many of the army of people who abused uh, Mr Norton and caused him to close his Twitter account temporarily were prompted by the author uh, Joanne Rowling. Uh, now, uh, Rowling denies that she is transphobic or homophobic, but her critics point out that her most recent Twitter arguments have been with a gay man, namely Mr Norton, and the well-known socialist activist and songwriter Billy Bragg. Uh, Twitter user Julian remarked, this is what one person marked on Twitter, if you want to see what cancel culture really looks like, look no further than Graham Norton being cancelled by a mob of extremists after a billionaire falsely accused him of condoning rape and death threats, simply because he said, don't talk to me, talk to trans people. Um, now... My questions for the panel, and it's, I suppose it's quite wide-ranging, wide is normally moral panics and uh, are time-limited due to their internal contradictions. So, for example, even people who hate us eventually grow tired of reading about us. This happened to the tabloid papers at the end of the 80s. Eventually, by about, after about four years of stories about AIDS and gay men, people were saying hang on a second, why are we reading this every day? We don't like them, we don't want to read about it. So there's the kind of internal contradiction which ends the moral panic. But it can go on for quite a while. So how much longer do you think this this whole blaming trans women in particular is going to go on in the press? Um, um, Steph, it's going to go. Views? Yep, it's going to go for quite a while. The Telegraph has constantly got stuff mm. about trans. They seem to be obsessed with trans women at yeah. the moment on their front pages. Um, and it continues in in other press as well, especially the uh, the right wing press. I think we're going through a phase around the planet, actually, of fascism. You see where you've got Bolsonaro in Brazil, you've got Trump who was in the states, you've got the the um, Poland where you've got the radical oh the Lord Christian, Justice Party, yeah. Yes. yeah. Um, the same in Hungary. Um, Italy have just voted in a, a fascist uh, party for the first time since Mussolini. So it's like there's a lot of the population have either got short memories or they're just really thick <laughs> because there is no other excuse for voting for people like Trump. And when, when I look at the Red War in this country, people who have voted Labour all their lives all of a sudden vote for a fascist government. I mean, you can't swing any further from the left to the right just so we can come out of Brexit, which has done us no end of harm. Do you think there's an element of um, 
laziness of people unwilling to engage and, and, and go out of their way to, to actually talk to a trans person and learn about it for themselves. Or I think social point. media has done it, Matthew. Yeah. Um, there's People can just rant without any consequences. They can be at home all snuggled up, watching a film on the telly, something will pop up and they'll just have a rant about it. But one thing I notice, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't see anywhere near as much um, hate towards trans men. No, there is not. Absolutely, there is not, Matthew. It's all trans women because these radical feminists or TERFs, um, they're obsessed with just one subject trans women and I toilets I don't know so the thing is I agree that it, they are obsessed with trans women and they shouldn't be but I think it's it's the same way as in lesbians were never it was never against the law to be a lesbian it was just frowned upon I think with trans men it's almost like they're ignored like it's not like it's not like people approve of it or they're less like in angered by it it's just it's like oh, well, they don't even, they're not, we can all say they're not really men or even though they are, do you know what I mean? It's that mm. argument. Whereas, so they're sort of invisibilized. Yeah, Like, like exactly. lesbians were in the yeah, 70s. Yeah, exactly. That's what I feel like it is. And like, I think it is exposure. And like, it's the same way as when that uh, that black man went into the KKK and they, they, a lot of the members changed because they realized actually what a black man was actually like. It's the fact that a lot of these people have these opinions because again, they've never, talked to or even like seen what it's like to be a trans woman walking through this world that is dangerous for them isn't that what prejudice and racism is fear yeah yeah it is it feeds on this fear and yeah. i think yeah the media has done such a great job of creating this like like discourse around how trans women are dangerous or and like jk rowling absolutely disgustingly is like like I didn't profiting from that and it's quite upsetting someone who has such an influence big, on big people audience yeah well. such an influence on people like she is so educated and she dares like call him saying that talking about rape and stuff that's absolutely like, that's disgusting to me so like yeah. I don't I th think people like her like even though you can be educated, you're so miseducated. And it's to do with the English, like the curriculum that we're talking about. The curriculum doesn't do a good enough job of educating people about people's experiences. So just to go to Terry's question, do you think it will time out eventually? It's, this is the thing. I don't think it will ever time out because until we have it embedded in our education in our society and it's learned and it's experienced and it's taught about, like then no, it's not going to time out. It's just going to keep going round in cycles until we break the cycle. I was going to come in with one point where Steffi said about radical feminists. Of course, most feminists and most feminist organisations don't have an issue with trans women and you know people write, no. writers like um judith butler and roxanne gay and all those fantastic feminist theorists have said what's the issue there is no issue yeah. here so mm. yeah well it's, i'm so, sure it, it will be a debate that we return to unfortunately sure it will. i will celebrate the day when we don't have to discuss yeah. this sort of thing i really <laughs> will listen we're going to come back because you've got more for us and uh, we'll yes. just take a quick break uh, with some rockwell and we'll be right back Ooh, great the shout out podcast uh do you ever get that feeling that someone's watching you all the time matthew do. you're always in my window it's, it's, it's <laughs> Aren't you? That's how, that's how rumours start. And this was I mean, I'm like, the rumours are being fuelled right now. Oh, right. That was Rockwell and uh, some bodies watching me. Uh, we've got, uh, you're listening to Shout Out. I tell you what, did you, I've got to do this. I'm, I'm contractually obliged to press this button. For more information about Shout Out Radio, visit us online at shoutoutradio.lgbt. Shout Out. LGBT Radio for you. 
You know where that is? It's because your voice on that. <laughs> Do you think I get royalties? Is that yeah. what it is? Oh, no, you get something. I don't know what it is. <laughs> a cheap thrill. Oh, definitely. Um, Terry. <laughs> okay, for our fun subject. Uh, the Festival of Halloween has sometimes been called the Gay Christmas <laughs> because in the US in particular, many LGBTQIA plus people like to dress up and go to costume parties. One gay designer quipped that gay men in particular love any old excuse to dress up in leather, vegan leather, of course, and rubber, and go to parties. Halloween is, however, rooted in ancient agricultural festivals, marked in various cultures in late October and early November. So how will you be celebrating or marking the season? If at all, got any parties to go to? Yes, I'm yes. going to Brizzle Boys Halloween Fest. Oh, I'm lovely. I know, I'm seeing drag kings. Ah. Wait, sometimes they strip, sometimes they do like a little dance. Like, I'm so ready for it. I've missed Brizzle Boys. Shout out to them. Um, and they put, always put on a brilliant show, so I'm, I'm excited. And I don't know whether <sighs> to dress up. Ooh. Oh, I think you should. I know, yes. but I don't have an outfit. What will you wear, though? I don't know. I don't know, because obviously naturally sexy. So <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what could encapsulate that. And I haven't ordered anything. So well, gonna do, have to do you want to put a call out to listeners? Yeah. <laughs> listeners, if you have any outfits or you have any, any outfit suggestions, send it in to us and I'll, I'll pick through them. And see. Laura. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Might yeah. be a bit late, Laura. <laughs> I'm in on a last minute, Nancy. How are you going to be marking it, Steph? Um, well, it's Monday, isn't it? It's Monday this yeah, year. So yeah, so I think most people would be celebrating Saturday or Sunday, won't they? With, with the parties. kids going out for, yeah. for parties. Ooh, but I yeah. think when I was growing up as a kid, it was always, for, for a young trans kid, it was always a great day mm. for, for dressing up and mm. putting my sister's frocks on. Um, so I guess nothing has changed. I guess people who are not out yet is an opportunity. Do, do you um, think it is the gay Christmas then? Do you think that's, that's oh, a certain truth I, in that? I would think so. <laughs> the gay Christmas. Yeah, make, make up in frocks. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> and Matthew, how do you think well, you'll be celebrating? I, I'm actually having a night off. But when, whenever I've done Halloween stuff, I've always been more into the kind of special effects and the smoke. And I, I, it probably comes as no surprise to any of you here, more than the dressing up. I've never been a fan of dressing up uh, that much, um, but I like to, yeah, creating spooky scenes and, and lighting and, and things like that. So maybe I'll do that in my living room. So we're not going to see you in leather leather no, shorts. No, oh, you do my that. entrance, like oh. as I walk into the club. Can you do <laughs> right? Listen, our time's up on the meter, Lara. It's time to go. If you'd like to see um, to hear more juicy shout out content, then head over to our website shoutoutradio.lgbt. Yes, Shout Out returns next week with a look at a new theatrical alternative take on the story of Diana. Ooh, say no more. Join us next week and all will be revealed. Until then, take care, have a great Halloween and thanks for your company. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Shout Out. LGBT Radio for you.